0: Queen Morgase of Andor has issued the following proclamation. The following discussion will include spoilers from the Wheel of Time books by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. We ask that you read those books so that our discussion does not spoil you. You have been warned. So it is written. So shall it be done. Hey. Welcome back to Bustin' Blockbusters. This is the companion piece to our non-book reader friendly review. This is a book reader friendly review of Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2 of The Wheel of Time, A Taste of Solitude and Strangers and Friends. If you want any more information about that, then please go back to our prior podcast and we'll give you all of the deets about who wrote it, who directed it, and all that. It's Thomas Knapper is the director, and I believe Amanda Kate Schumann wrote the first episode, and Catherine B. McKenna wrote the second episode. But we want to focus specifically on some book things that actually go beyond the scope of where Priscilla had read. I'm going to do this part first, and then we'll have a little bit of a conversation with Priscilla at the end regarding our impressions of how the television show adapted some of these things. As we get started, I am going to offer you just one additional book spoiler, because I know some of you may have started the books, but you're not all the way through them. Things that I discuss in this section will be up to and including book seven, and maybe even a little bit beyond. So if you haven't read the entire series, you may want to lay off some of this. Or if you want to dive in deeper, I mean, who am I to judge? Or avoid this podcast altogether. I don't blame you there because really my book thoughts aren't going to be any different than anybody else who's read the books. Some of the podcasts out there have read them multiple times and they're all much better at interpreting it than me. But just as kind of a time capsule of where I am in relation to my fandom to this series, and to this series of books, I wanted to do this section as we go through these episodes one and two and just point out some nice Easter eggs or overall story supplementary stuff. The first thing that I want to bring up actually comes up from Moraine. And I mentioned this in the Non-Book Reader podcast, but I wanted to emphasize on it further. The whole story about land throwing Moraine into the pond is from A New Spring, as any of you book readers probably know if you've read that far. Now, New Spring is a prequel that I believe was the 10th release, 10th or 11th release of the entire book series, but you can actually safely read it probably at the very earliest after book five. Most people wait until after book seven, and I really don't remember what order I read it in when I originally read the whole series, but I love this story of how they meet, and it is a true story, or at least according to the prequel, it's a true story, despite the fact that Moraine implies that she lied about everything else about land when she's about to leave him and make him go to Alana. The most interesting thing about that to me is that she says that she lied. So either she did lie or she didn't lie, but somewhere in there, there is a lie, which means that the oath rod is not being effective. We know that Aes Sedai can disguise the truth, but that oath rod bond usually makes them have to tell at least a version of what is true. So was this to further emphasize the fact that she has no connection to the One Power right now? I suspect that's what it was for. It'd be very interesting to see because I thought that if you were using the one power on someone, such as with the Oathrod, Rod, even though I guess it's kind of a tear on Greal, but I thought you couldn't resist that, whether you were susceptible to magic or not. So I have a question about that, and feel free to contact me with any of your thoughts about any of the book reader stuff. You can send posts to bust Blockbuster on Elon Musk's x ex- or you can send emails to me, mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. I'm not going to give the double P stuff here because I Bubba right now is not a book reader and I don't want anybody spoiling him on any of that stuff. You can also find Priscilla at PriscillaTV1 on YouTube. She doesn't have any other social media except maybe a Tumblr, but I didn't exactly get that URL. I'll have to get it from her for next time so that we can post it in there so you can see what she's posting about. Anyway, I want to know what you think about that one little slip in line that I thought was really clever to say something, but I'm not sure what it's saying. And here is something else about that particular scene between Moraine and Landon, a television show, when she says, Alana will take your bond by force. Now, I couldn't even talk about this with Priscilla because... It happens, I believe, in book six. I think it's, yeah, book six in Lord of Chaos, where Alana does bond to Rand by force. It's a very disturbing passage in the book. There are many disturbing passages in the books, but that one I found particularly weird because while Jordan does do a lot of, you know, women folding their arms under the breasts, to hold them up, basically. And I have no idea what it is with writers' fascinations with mammary glands. But the idea of compulsion, which is something that Leandrin will use, probably, or we know that Mogadine uses it a lot, or this forced bonding is really disturbing. Like I said, there's many things, and I could spend the entire podcast just listing all of those, but... I love that allusion to Alana bonding to Rand from the books that was very subtly placed in the show. So I guess from here, I'll just go through the episodes and do some comparisons. I like the change of switching out Varen for, was it Van Dean? Van Denae? I can't remember how you pronounce her name. But Adelais or Adelise however you say that one, originally had another sister that started with a V that was at that house where Moraine visited to find out more about the prophecies. And of course, the whole stipulation that she couldn't go back to the One Tower nor be able to channel at this point wasn't present in the books. I don't have any problem with that storyline. They got to give Moraine something to do because she is kind of inactive, this book, The Great Hunt. So... Got to give your lead actress some kind of storyline that's emotionally compelling, and that works for me. But having Varen there instead allows them to consolidate some characters, first of all, and of course, introduces a very important character for the book series to the television series. And I honestly, you have to help me out with this again, book readers, was Varen always Part of the Black Aja and Tomasa a dark friend. I know that that comes up quite a bit later in the series after Egwene is already the Amarillo seat, but I can't remember when the change occurs or if it had already occurred. It just makes me wonder if they're bringing Varen in now in this way, could she possibly have been that Black Aja that was at the dark friend social? The other possibilities, of course, uh, Joya Bayer, or Leandrin, I suppose. Since we don't really get a context within the six-month period between the end of Season 1 and the beginning of Season 2, it's difficult to determine when exactly this dark fringe social occurs. So any of those possibilities could be true. And what about Varen and Moraine's conversation in Episode 2? which also points to those kinds of things where Moraine says she needs an oath of allegiance or what have you like that. And then Varen says, what do you want me to take an oath to that I won't betray you? There's loopholes to every oath. And with Varin, I believe that that is definitely the case. And I think that that was an allusion to us book readers to say, yes, we know what we're doing. Yes, we're on track. Yes, we're going to play Varen's story out. And that's why you have such a great actress playing this role. As a book reader, I am so delighted with the lesson that Egwene and Nynaeve got in The Tower from Alana, which explains the the five divisions of the One Power. And I love how they have now created the weaves to accentuate what's being used. I thought that was a great stroke because Jordan does have some very specific rules about the magic, some of which I feel like the show is kind of breaking as far as Logan goes, but that's just me. But at least now, visually, we have something to tell us more of what these sisters are doing, rather than just these white whisks. And I suppose that Rafe was simply trying to keep it simple the first season until he could explain it, and there's no better way or opportunity to explain it until you get to one of our main characters learning about it, or two of our main characters learning about it. Oh, oh, I want to go back to Egwene, because Priscilla and I do talk about this quite a bit in relation to her not using her hands and talking about it in the context of the show because of Child Valda. But the other thing that's book-related, of course, is that Egwene spends a good deal of time with the ideal wise ones and they don't use their hands when they channel either let's talk about Elias for a moment of course as you know he actually first met up with Perrin and Egwene in book one after they had gotten away from Shadar Logoth and so I missed having him there during season one they're kind of making up for it here in season two I'm still not completely pleased I feel like their relationship may be just budding, and I understand he's just being hired on as a tracker, replacing the other Shannarin that was a tracker in The Great Hunt that had some kind of similar abilities, I guess. It makes sense to consolidate it into that. I just didn't like the delay, and I wish that they had more interactions, because here Elias is, he's got golden eyes all the time. You would think that Perrin would ask him questions but instead he wants to avoid him i guess he wants to avoid that part of himself another nice little easter egg regarding elias is his sword which in a couple of shots you can see the hilt of and of course that's how elias's wolf name comes into being he is called Longtooth by the wolves and with that white handle and everything i thought they did a really good job of of nodding to his wolf name if you knew what to look for. And as I mentioned in the non-book reader review, I really loved Perrin's speech about revenge and all of that over the graves. I think that does de- definitely point directly to the berserker type scenario. And I may have been a little loose with my spoiler implications about Parent's fetish with murder, but I do love the contrast of learning what he did from the Tuathlon, and of course we know how that affects him in the Shadow Rising when he returns to Emmon's Field. But I certainly hope that we get more interactions and Perrin learning more. Once again, that whole bit of how Perrin is using his wolf senses to see what happened was really well done in my opinion. I really liked it. How did you feel about it? Let me know. Matt's audio or you can tweet to, pardon me, you can send posts to my ex account at bust blockbuster. Let's talk about Bale Doman, the captain. I really missed not having the boat scenes going down to Whitebridge with Tom Maryland and Rand and Matt and Bale, but I'm so glad that they did mention the fades At Whitebridge. Nice little book nod. Getting it back. As I mentioned in the non-book reader friendly review. The question is. Will he end up. In Faldara. And agree to help Nynaeve. And Elaine. And all of them. Even though that doesn't really work out. And if they carry out. Like the Tanchico storyline. And those kinds of things. From later books. Later on in the series. Uh, I hope we get this same guy back because I really liked him as that character. I don't know if I'd say that it was an exact kind of portrayal, but I can per- picture this guy being bailed on from the books. Uh, there's lots of interesting stuff that's going to happen in Tanchico and all of these other things. So hopefully this guy's in for the long haul. Or at least hopefully they'll portray some of that stuff I honestly, with this adaptation, the way they're throwing things in from the prequel, from all of these other later books, I honestly just have no earthly idea what they're going to carry on in the series or not because it's just too much. They have to cut some storylines out. So my guess is pretty worthless. You saw how in my season two predictions podcast through the first four episodes, how off I already am, even though everything that I said was true. They've chosen a different and likely much better way to tell this story. So here's something that I don't really get. And that is, I mean, it's true to the books. Egwene is very uptight about sex, about all things sexual, even the the way somebody rides a horse, whether they ride it with their skirts split open or not. Uh, that's some of the most humorous stuff in the book. And it also makes me just want to go, oh, Egwene, get a life. But that scene with Alana, where she was so uptight about Alana thinking that she was talking about sex and that it was just about the weave itself, that's very typical of Egwene. Yet in season one, since they'd aged him up, I suppose, I thought it had been implied that Egwene and Rand had, had sex before being completely committed before being married so the two don't really jive is this kind of a reset of Egwene's character or is it something that it still makes sense because Rand is gone now she's all of a sudden uptight about sex I don't really care one way or the other I just find the continuity a little puzzling yeah. I love the fact that they've kept it true that you just really have to piss Nynaeve off in order for her to be able to channel, that's great. Uh, Hopefully we'll see more tugging of the hair braid as we go along uh, that she uses to make herself angry or see her shout at people for no reason just to make herself angry enough to be able to channel. And I can't wait to talk about the episode three stuff. We talk a little bit about it with Priscilla, but I want to save most of my book reader talk that goes beyond the third book to the next Book Reader Podcast episode. At any rate, Leandrin was the perfect foil for that. And she obviously, because Nynaeve is the most powerful, I guess possibly to recruit her to the Black Asha, or at least to the dark side, just as Bubba said in our NBR podcast. But what a great display of power there. Loved it. Love that they showed the shielding although it didn't look as similar to the way that they shielded Loghain. It didn't look the same way as it had the effect on Moraine, all that from season one. And could they bring in the fact that Nynaeve ends up restoring Loghain a little bit, restoring Swan and and Leanne? Could they find a way to do that for Moraine if she truly is cut off? But she wouldn't be nearly as powerful as I recall from the books. If that's the case, they bring them back, but they don't have near the power that they once had. So I'm still holding out for the fact that Moraine is just shielded somehow. And then it's been tied off. And maybe none of the other Aes Sedai can see this because it was a male channeler that did this. That would make sense as well. We'll just have to see. Priscilla and I will talk about Inktar quite a bit in the next section Uh, But just again to point out the way that he's trying to just throw in a little bit of sympathy for Pat and Fane to Perrin, of all people, not a good choice, but it clearly points the way for him being a dark friend. In fact, he may have been one of those at the dark friend social, perhaps while Loyal was still recovering because Loyal had to recover from that stab. He was, even if it wasn't the Shatter Logoth Blade, it still has to be or have been quite deadly. As far as the way that they're handling the land story, I'm cool with that. Her sending Lan away to Alana is interesting. I believe it's Morrell that Lan's bond is transferred to when Moraine actually goes through the door with Landfear. in... What book is that? Fires of Heaven? But if they're going to do Alana, I mean, that would work. I Obviously, they're not, probably not going to do any kind of transfer here. Do you think they'll actually kill Moraine? Do you think they'll actually have her go through the door in the series? I almost feel like they have to do that. It will certainly wow a TV-only audience if they do it. I suppose we would have to have a beltine ceremony for her. As well, or have her included in the ceremony. I did love that. I loved that sequence of everybody celebrating, celebrating, mourning Beltine, and I loved the fade fight, the double F. Those are great sequences that I don't recall from the books. I don't think they're part of the books, but they were they were fantastic as well. And before I move on to episode two, I do want to go back. I want to give uh, John from the What Up channel on YouTube. Uh, credit for this because I missed it and then I watched his video and he pointed it out and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. What up channel is a channel you should watch. The Dusty Wheel, of course, is a great channel for and podcast for Wheel of Time. Uh Wheel of Time with ali and Gus is another one. Sorry. These are all people that you probably already listen to if you are a book reader. Or if not if if you happen to stumble upon me, uh, you're going to find out that there are people that cover this stuff a heck of a lot better than me. But that's beside the point. I'm just here doing what I do. Anyway, John pointed out two things about the scene of Egwene cleaning the Amarillo Seat's chambers. And I loved both of these. The first one I completely missed. The second one I kind of suspected, but I'm glad it he confirmed his belief about what it means as well. First, let's look at as Egwene is cleaning the chamber. On the desk, you see this blue box, and it's kind of got some symbols from tear, uh, that kind of s- symbolism on it. It's a wonderful little blue box, but John believes, and now I also believe, that that's the box that all of the letters and all of the communications go into that, you know, Swan keeps in, or that the Amerlin keeps in, all those correspondences in. And as you recall, when they're in Telen Alriad, is that how you say that? Forgive me. But as like Egwene or Nynaeve or Elaine are all in that dream world, they often go through that box in order to keep up with what's happening at the White Tower. And there's all kinds of little tricks about it because if you look at it for too long or if you don't concentrate on it hard enough, then it disappears and it goes back into its place because that's the way the dream world works. All kinds of rules there. If you're a book reader and you've read that far, then you know. And if you haven't read that far, then I don't want to spoil any more for you. But there is times when Egwene will travel through that world and and read through some of that. The second thing that John pointed out, and this is the one that I also suspected, but when she takes a long look at the stole for the Amerlin, that's a direct foreshadowing to us, of course of Egwene eventually becoming the Ammerlin. It's a ways down in the story, if you haven't read that far, but it is something that's really interesting. I love how they're pulling these little kind of Easter eggs out of the story from later on and introducing them in these earlier seasons so that people who then go back and rewatch the series can say, oh yeah, I see that as foreshadowing now. Otherwise, it probably doesn't mean much to you if you don't know the fact that Egwene becomes the Amberlin. But anyway, I wanted to point those two out again. What Up Channel, W-O-T Up Channel, is John's channel. And he does a fabulous job covering all things regarding the Wheel of Time. Books, spoilers, sets, all kinds of great news and information. I suppose the last thing for this episode, going back to those scenes with Moraine and the Fades... One thing that we got out of that was the fact of the Fade's abilities to disappear into the shadows, to seemingly go in one place and then suddenly be at another. That's something that we hadn't seen done before in the series, and I like how they've brought those abilities into this season, given that they didn't focus on that at all in the first season. Let's move on to episode two here. And I guess the most logical place is to start with Rand, because his story is maybe, uh, outside of Moraine's, is the most different from any of the other character journeys so far in comparison to the book. Rand is in a completely different place, because he started out at Faldara with everybody else in book two, and then the Pat and Fane thing happened, and then he went on his own journey. The bit with Selene actually happened through a portal world as opposed to directly in Carrionin. And as far as that goes, this patient that he's seeing uh, was a veteran of the war between the Aeol and the Carrionin, which of course is alluded to a lot in the books and why the Aeol still to this day look very much with disdain upon those from the Carrionin because of the tree. If you haven't gotten that far in the books... Sorry to have spoiled it for you, but there is a long-standing feud, and I thought that was really illustrated well with this Carrion Impatient. On top of that, we know that Rand, while he's still at Faldara, learns a lot of sword forms actually from Lan. And since Lan isn't there, what better idea than to have Rand sneak in his own sword so that this Heron Marks sword blademaster can teach him forms he's not going to get them from land he can get them from this guy now in the regular podcast i always do this bit where i try to hate on rand and i use this as an excuse it's like he's using this guy in actuality the story needed something to replace that sword training from land and so this is as good as any other method and whether you think rand is using this guy or not i think that you can see that he does have a decent heart in the way that he takes care of the guy regardless of what he's going to get out of it so yes my hate for rand is actually a bit which bubba hates but he'll just have to get over it because i'm going to continue to do the bit but i love these forms that we get we get several forms we get cutting the clouds we get kissing the adder parting the silk and reaping the barley, all of these great sword forms that we know that he has to know by the time that he faces Turok in Falma. So it's wonderful that he can get the training here. Maybe because it seems eventually that Moraine and Rand's paths are going to cross again. Maybe Lan will once again join them and teach him even more forms and help him train in them. But even if we don't get that, which was another prediction that I had that may possibly be wrong, even if we don't get that, at least we know that Rand has been learning some of the forms. Another big change really from the books is the fact that because of this difference of what's happened to him and him deciding that he wants everybody to think that he's dead, Rand is actually approaching all of this with like a real plan. Which, in Book 2, Rand is pretty much running scared, but he's running straight into danger as he's running scared. And it's through the Portal World, which I don't know if we're going to get the Portal World or not this time around. Or ever get Portal Stones. Maybe we will. Maybe the Rudian thing will reveal the Portal Stones. Maybe he'll use them to get to Falma. Him and Moraine and... Land, but I'm pretty sure that we've seen shots of them near a waygate, or at least Moraine and Land. So I don't know if that's going to happen, or if the portal stones will ever happen. Nonetheless, that's where he encounters Celine, and instead now Celine is already in Karyninen. And please forgive me. I'm going to pronounce a lot of these names wrong. I want you, other book readers, who have been pronouncing these names for 20 years, to come back at me and and phonetically spell them out to me and say, hey Matt, get it right. Uh, You can send your emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, m-a-t-t-s-audioblog at gmail.com or you can send a post to my ex-social account. I'll never get used to that. I just want to say tweet me at bustblockbuster. but send your book thoughts in to me as well and we'll include them in a separate feedback section in the book sections that we do I'm not planning on having separate book podcasts and t v only podcasts all season, but because we're covering two episodes in these first two weeks a piece, I figure it was better to just completely separate them out so that you can just skip over the book reader ones if you want or the non book reader ones if you want. Back to Celine real quick. I want to talk about the fact that she's when she's in bed with friend, she says. You know, he's trying to forget Egwene. She says that she's basically trying to remember the lover that hurt her, and that, of course, was Luc Sterman. And she's directly remembering Rand. Yes, put it together. Selene is Lanfear, uh, just as Bubba suspected that she's a dark friend. She's actually much more than that. But I want to get to Selene in just a little bit. I want to put that on the the side of the table here. And I want to move on to Nynaeve real quick. One of the things that I love, it's kind of weird that Leandrin is the one that introduces her to this mostly, but because she has been a wisdom, and I loved her defiantly wearing her wisdom belt in episode one of this season, over the white garment, drinking the water, all that stuff, that was great. But her true interest, even as a wisdom, was in healing people and now she's seeing this be being done with breakbones fever, which is was a wonderful callback to how actually it seems that Nynaeve passed abilities with the one power to Egwene. Egwene had breakbone fever when she was little, and somehow that's how Egwene possibly got the power. A wonderful nod, but here she sees this girl with breakbones fever being healed. And it points towards the direction that Nynaeve wants to go. The Yellow Aja are usually the healers, and that's what Nynaeve aspires to be throughout most of the books. In the course of doing some healing actual experimentations, she ends up reconnecting Loghain with the One Power to a certain extent, and she ends up connecting Swan and Lianne back to the One Power although none of them are nearly as powerful. Now, as far as Rand goes, of course, his end goal is to get into Loghain, and we see that at the end of this episode, and then we see that further carried out through episode three. And I had originally posed that perhaps they were going to combine Loghain with Asmodian and with Mazarim Taim, or Mazarim Taim. Again, correct me on these pronunciations. But as it turns out, Mazrim time is actually mentioned during that meeting with Alana and Shirim and Alana's two warders as a dragon reborn or a false dragon reborn. And so they can't combine him with Loghain in that way. So that prediction's totally out the window as well, which makes perfect sense because I'm so good at them. But I do love that. If Nynaeve does heal Loghain, if they get this timing all right, maybe Loghain can fill the Asmodian role. They're only going to have eight Forsaken, as far as I can tell. There are symbols in the scene that was released before the season started of Ishmael seemingly freeing Landfear, and there were eight triangles on that seal, which I think represent each of the Forsaken that'll be in the show simply because we saw th- that kind of break, a little bit of Quindiar kind of break off of one of those triangles, and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, there is what I suspect will be Lanfear. Interesting that we didn't actually see this scene yet, but we have Selene in Carrionnen already. So things might be placed a little bit out of time, or maybe the scene was cut entirely. I'll discuss more of this with Priscilla. But given that they actually released it, I can't see how, unless they said, oh, there's some bonus content, it must be in the show somewhere. I just don't understand how we're going to see it if Celine is already in Innan, because as we know, Landfear takes on many different kinds of personas to try to get to Rand, uh, because she is totally in love with Luce Theron. I've already talked extensively about Nynaeve and the Leandrin thing and the sun thing, the man in North Harbor. Still don't know whether Moraine understands who that relation is to Leandrin, but I loved that. Now, I do not recall any of things like that from the books. So that must be brand new and stuff that Rafe put in just because you have a wonderful actress like Kate Fleetwood playing this role give her some real meat and man did they so if that is in fact a change as I suspect it is then that was a wonderful change I absolutely loved that we talked about that extensively in our non-book reader section because even Bubba picked up that Leandrin had said you know Aes can live for hundreds of years and then Leandrin calls this man my boy and obviously th- He is her son, which changes Leandrin's age considerably from the books, and I'm all here for it. Let's talk about Matt, because I haven't really talked about Matt yet. I like this storyline. I, you know, because of whatever happened with Barney Harris or with COVID or what have you, they couldn't have Matt be in Faldara to participate with Perrin in that part of the journey but he's got to get to Faldara somehow we've seen him in the trailer perhaps with the staff that he got you know he got it by going through one of those doors and then nearly ended up dying or maybe even did die I think that's in Fires of Heaven I know he walks through one door at the tower and he walks through the other door in Rodian so I know the Rodian thing was Fires of Heaven and I love that they've paired up men being there Min's been in the in and out of the tower before, uh, and when we talk about episode three, we can talk about even more significant changes as far as that goes, but I love that she is his cellmate. I said in the season one podcast that Min is one of my favorite characters, and of course Baba looked at me cross-eyed because she didn't really seem like a very major character at the time to him. Other than her abilities and being able to tell kind of who the Dragon Reborn actually was, I love that they're pairing Min and Matt up together. These two actors have great chemistry, and it should create some humorous and volatile situations from time to time, as far as I can tell. On top of that, with Matt, they've really refreshed his character. I had no problem with the way Barney Harris was playing Matt Cawthon. I think that it was wonderfully done. I think that he did what was written for him very well. But this Matt that we see in the show for these two episodes is the Matt that I think of. Defiant, funny, conniving, and yeah, a little bit in the dumps, but not nearly to the extent that they had Matt written in season one. And I think that this change is great. And I think Donald Finn is probably the better actor for this part. I'm glad we finally got the, just almost like a complete wholesale change. One last thing that's really interesting about men here is that vision that she sees when she's glimpsing Matt's pattern, right? And she sees him stabbing Rand. I can't tell if it's with the blade or not, I wonder if it's more of a metaphor that if Matt does re-encounter the blade or is not able to resist the blade, that that will mean the end of Rand. Now, I don't guess Min would know that everybody else thinks that Rand is dead. Matt certainly would think that Rand is dead because it's probably been mentioned in the letters, although Leandrin's been reading them to him, so maybe he doesn't know. But of course, since Min does know... Rand and does know he's the Dragon Reborn, this might be a very concerning glimpse that she had. And of course, once again, when we get into episode three, I'll talk a little bit more about that. One of the things about men from the books that I always found a little frustrating was the fact that there was all the symbolism in what she was seeing. So I'm trying to interpret that here, but I do love the fact that they do make these things almost more visual and literal than they do in the books that way it's much more intentional even if there is symbolism involved you can really find meaning in it as opposed to having to puzzle it out until it hits you in the face when you read it later on Robert Jordan's pages so I love that something else that I'm really glad that we got was the introduction of Elaine finally since we didn't go to Camelon in season one. It's kind of interesting how they've reversed all of the meetings, and now we have Elaine r- really with the group that she spends the majority of her time with right off the bat, as opposed to meeting Rand kind of randomly in Cameland because he stumbles into the palace. And I've already gushed a lot about Elaine in the non book reader podcast, and we'll probably do so again with Priscilla. But I did want to point this one thing out that I just found wonderful. I talked about this just briefly, but I didn't mention any names before. But when Elaine tells Egwene that, you know, people who are their bunks are adjoined next to each other, uh, the rooms are adjoined as novices, uh, create great pairings. She uses Cad Swain and Elena as examples. And for us book readers, of course, those two names are huge. I said in the non-book reader podcast how as I read the books, Elaine really sometimes gets on my nerves, uh, makes me afraid for her. And also at the same time, I adore her and I'm team Elaine all of the time. Sarah Covney is doing such a wonderful job bringing this character to life. The aloofness, the diplomacy... And the overall stand up for others as evidence when she says, if anyone needs to be punished regarding the stuff in my room, I'll take the punishment as opposed to the sister that let the maids in. Love that. And before I get into my discussion with Priscilla here, uh, one last thing to mention is Etienne's Mill, which I think is how you pronounce it. Again, let me know. And give me any of your book thoughts. Once again, Matt's Audioblog at gmail.com or bust blockbuster on that one social media site that used to be Twitter. But it's my understanding if I remember right, and it's been a while since I read the great hunt to be perfectly honest, but it doesn't the group just go in there after the Sean Shannon has been attacked or has attacked the place. Um, and you put that together with the fact that Pat and Fane is actually at that Dark friend social and that Ishmael is with the Shanshan, Shan, which we find out in the third episode. Do the Shanshan Shan already have the Horn of Valir? Has it already been turned over? Or is Pat and Fain hiding this from Ishmael? It's all very interesting and I haven't quite puzzled all of that out yet. I don't even know that that's necessarily a book thing, but I just wanted to demonstrate that if this attack happens now. And then in the third episode, we get that Ishmael is with the Shan Shan and Pat and Fane's already been with Ishmael. Who has the horn? Okay, that's enough talking about this. Let's get to my discussion with Priscilla, which will be tampered down just a little bit. I don't think I go beyond book four or five in that one. Not quite as far as I went in the books with this one. Yeah.
1: I had more book thoughts about the tr- the third episode to be honest, but yeah. like uh I, like I think we discussed about Elaine that like they were doing the the thing opposite ways now because like she's first introduced in the first book right. and then go to Tarvalon and, and then meet uh, uh the, she, she first meets Rand, Rand. and then meets Elaine uh, and and then uh, meets Egwene. So they're doing the opposite thing. And I wonder when she's going to meet Rand,
0: to be honest. Well, she is going to Falma. And we know Rand is going to Falma, so that would be a place where it could happen. Otherwise, the next time that they're together in the books is what, Tier, And I don't even know if they're going to do Tier at all, uh, this season or next season, because it seems like in season three, they're going to start picking Mm -hmm. up on the Shadow Rising and everything in the two rivers again. Um, mm-hmm. which means they might excel Elaine's and Nynaeve's story to Fires of Heaven uh, or, or stuff in there, which I know none of this stuff means anything to you, so I won't say any more. But I still, I, even these first two episodes, I feel like they're still really emphasizing Rand's feelings for Egwene. I mean, I know he's with Celine and what have mm-hmm. you, but uh, it, it still feels like they're really glamming onto to. You know, this is his one true love. When in actuality, in the books, there are multiple women who come in and out of his lives at different times. So it, it's kind of weird that this is the the through line that they decided to keep. Maybe with the Selene mm-hmm. stuff now, they can make it so that Rand kind of gets over Egwene, and they can move t- more towards the uh, you know the Elaine stuff or the or the. Avienda stuff, which Avienda will be showing up in this season. So
1: Yeah, um, but you said like you mentioned that you thought it was a little bit too young adult the first uh, season for you. Yeah, I and, it felt very CW, yeah. Uh, but it but like one thing that it wasn't it was Egwene and Rand relationship. It was like it was an adult relationship. Which
0: yeah, but it was muddled like... It was muddled by that whole, does Perrin like her, does Perrin not? I mean, there was CW stuff mixed in and all of that.
1: No, but yeah. I have to tell you something. And um, when I first read, I really had the feeling that Perrin liked Igway.
0: Well, I think Rafe got that idea from that very same kind of notion that you did. I just don't think yeah, it should have I... been... I, but it, it yeah, never plays up as a I, conflict and this played up as a conflict.
1: Okay, okay, you, you're making a difference there because I ask people, Well, that's even what the like,
0: CW does, that's what I'm saying, it, it, made, yeah, it, yeah. it made
1: it CW. No, but listen, I, I have this strong feeling when I was reading that Perry had something for Egwene, and then I asked people like from other channels that I was like getting into Wheel of Time and they were like doing like uh the prepare, like hyping for the season one and i was like i asked hey um i really think he has something for Egwene. is that uh, i'm reading too much into it and they all said the same thing no no they're all friends and it's just that because um iguaine is promised to Rand, and perry is being a good friend and i was like i'm sorry i didn't get that so when you went to season one and they uh, added this level in, in their relationship that one the relationship was not a crush it was not like they're just being promised to each other no it was a real relationship one and two it was a complicated relationship because she has an she had ambitions and uh, he had his ideas too and then trollox came and three there is pairing. Then I was like, I felt, oh my god, I understood them. So I'm not the only one that had this reading. So I actually liked the way they did the relationship and the conflict. I'm, uh, yeah, it could have been done like a little bit differently, but they, they, I, I think they added more adult stuff there. So in this context, the season two when Celine yeah. comes in and in the books it's not like that well the, at the all.
0: relationship is more mature in the television so simply for yeah. the fact that the people are more mature in the books they're much okay. they're younger
1: younger um, yeah
0: so I, it feels to me like you tried to um you said i'm going to age these people up into closer to being adults or even being adults and so therefore i'm going to bring in some adult subjects let's talk about you know Cheating on your on your boyfriend or on your girlfriend or these kinds of stupid CW jealousy issues.
1: Matt, That's the thing that I got. Rand, Rand is not cheating on iguane Rand is dead.
0: Remember no, that. No. For Egwene, Rand, 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 Rand is still alive, so therefore he no. is cheating on Egwene. Egwene could be with <laughs> someone and not cheating on Rand because <laughs> no, she thinks no, Rand no. is dead.
1: Rand killed himself. Uh, to his friends yes so he considers himself dead to his so, friends
0: so if i it, let's say you and i are married okay. and i and i tell you
1: <laughs> you ghost that,
0: me that, well i i send a notice to you that my plane crashed and you think that i'm dead then uh-huh. i go on and i'm and i go to another country <laughs> and i talk with uh, and date and have sex with another woman do you think i'm not yeah. cheating on you
1: no you're dead how can you cheat on me (laughs) you're dead you are dead
0: i'm dead all right so all right so we've we've i've now lost that argument obviously let's talk about the big change so we've got things already focused in carrion i loved um I think it was the third episode, actually, but I love that jacket. Oh my god, that jacket is so cool that Rand was wearing.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's that's from uh, not from the books.
0: Yeah, uh, and the whole thing with with Ink um, Inkar is kind of making a case for Pat and Fane. Did you see the way he was looking so intently at Perrin when Perrin was going through that revenge thing? Because we know that Inkar is going to end up being a dark friend, right? So. Uh, that was really interesting that he kind of going to bat for pat and fane just a little bit and in fact i think that he is i think that he's the shinaran that was at the dark friend show social Mm -hmm. i i mean that that's my guess i don't know there
1: was a nice to too there was Aes Sedai.
0: well that that's a good question because i think it and i don't know if you're there yet um I think it might have been. There is the black Aja. I think it might have been Joya, the the uh, the shaved headed Aja. You think? <gasps> um I don't know. Okay. And, or it could have been Leandre. Who,
1: who brought who, the the child to the Dark Friends solo show? Who, I, I think that who was the, the that?
0: owner of the house. Is what I thought, but okay. maybe not. Um, that because she she was that was the woman that was sitting right next to where ishmael was standing right that she Mm -hmm. heard her her first um so i think that this actually took place where does it take place in the books is it amadesia i I can't remember geographically where it takes place in the books but i think that the the costuming uh if you've ever seen that map of of how the costumers kind of pattern certain patterns and colors to certain countries in a real world. To go back to other countries in the in the westlands. Uh I think it matched up with amadicia the clothing pattern. I mean everybody thought at first that they, they were too but that's they're clearly not. They're too they're they're too sophisticated to be too clothing. So I think it's more amadecia uh possibly. Uh nonetheless, uh figuring out who all the dark friends were no pot of fame was there. We know a white cloak was there. We know uh I think it was Inkar that was there f- for Shinar. Uh, the Aes Sedai, I think, is Joya. I think that the big change uh, to Leandrin's storyline, because I don't recall any of that kind of... St- I mean, even... I don't know if I recall anything even about a man. I, I thought that she was sneaking away to dark friend meetings or something. Uh, in, in
1: When... when wh- yeah, when Moraine said that on the first season, I assumed she was reading Pat and Fane, Actually,
0: yeah, that's a good guess. That was his good was a like, guess. beginning
1: It must be Pat and Fane. They are two. They are dark friends. They are yeah. like doing yeah. dark friend stuff, and Moraine yeah. had a different reading of it, right.
0: which makes it even more interesting to me as to how they're going to set up the whole Fama situation. Is Leandrin yeah. simply going to? trick them to be ambushed, or is she going to ambush them herself and then bring them there? Which, that wouldn't make much sense. Unless, well, by having Ishmael with the Shan, Shan, she could be doing it for him that way. But why, I wouldn't know.
1: Which is strange of Leandrin is that she seems very honest in her motivation so far and how she reacts especially towards
0: Nynaeve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again... I, I don't I get think...
1: any deceit. I don't get any deceit, anything from her.
0: Well, I, I think she truly so... wants Nynaeve to work her power, um, but I think that she wants to acquire that power for the dark side. Okay. I, I mean, I Could think... Be. she Because, you know... Just because your dark friend doing dark things and being evil doesn't mean no, you don't but, like the people that you you're know, working with.
1: No, but it's like she goes to Matt and says, You should go to Egwene. She needs a friend. She gives Matt a yes, way out. That
0: was that was very interesting. Um
1: you know, like this is not something like I would expect a dark friend
0: to do. But is it all part of that same setup? From I don't think so three. I think
1: I don't think so I think what I, my reading was like she read she reads uh, Matt for filth exactly what Matt uh, how badly he has been behaving mm-hmm. so she she knows more about Matt at that point than Matt knows about himself. And then she gives Matt an option. Hey, if you go to your friend, like if you go to your friend, if, if you prove me wrong, go to your friend, prove me wrong. Then uh, then my setup dies here. Then I don't need to care about you anymore. Then like Moraine is wrong. Uh, you know, then you learn your lesson. But he doesn't.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think she's like, uh, she's like... So she uh, comes to the realization
0: like, then that he should still be watched, and that's why she has men sets men up for that.
1: I don't know. I mean, I mean, she's a human being, now. Uh, so she had that terrible moment, like uh, with with her son, yeah. And and she then lost naive. So she's like giving giving this guy one last chance, one last shot, like a redemption in her in her eyes. But he goes and was like no, then he comes back to me and it's like okay, then game is on again, let's do it. That that was my reading. I don't know, but I really I really feel her honest, like being completely honest with in being like, yeah, her methods were not very good with Nynaeve, but she was very interested.
0: I think one of the more interesting things talking about dark friends and forsaken, is we. Uh, and this will be great for faking out an audience that doesn't have any idea but we all know that Celine is landfear in the books
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: so but I could have sworn that that scene of Ishmael breaking the the seal and and the woman that comes up out of the ground I assume that was landfear so are we going to get a flashback to that or are they going to have different women portray landfear as there are different characters because you've got Celine and then there's another couple of women uh there's this is in book mm-hmm. 5 or 4 4 or 5 i can't remember which there's a, uh, a a person who sells things who travels with the Iel on their way to rudian uh and she is actually landfear you know mm-hmm. or uh someone else shows up i think in tier right in the oh maybe that's not in the third book maybe that's also in the fourth book i can't remember but uh and she is landfear until there isn't ultimately a point where land fear is dispensed with a, a little for a little while anyway so but i'm trying to figure out how they're going to convey that selene is Landfear, since they missed uh, the opportunity yeah. to have ishmael i mean have two scenes of, of ishmael right in a row have him do the dark friend social then have him go to the seal and and bring up Landfear. You know, it No, looks I th- I like think it's it going to be, be a out of
1: order. I think Moraine already said that she fears Ishmael is out there releasing more forsakens.
0: So Yeah, she said that, but we haven't She seen said it. that. And we know that a scene Yeah. Exists. No,
1: no, no. It was already established by Moraine saying that. So we are going to see the scene. That's what I'm saying. We are going to see it.
0: I that that don't he's think doing it's that make any chronological sense to people who aren't book readers? We'll know who she is, but I, I think um, that it's going to be end up being a failure.
1: Do you think I've like in the first season there was like this episode that it was all about Moraine? It was all like from Moraine's perspective. Maybe yeah. they are going to do an, an episode all all from um, Ishmael's okay. perspective oh, or mind. Celine's.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh because uh we we are seeing a lot of Shamael but like in bits and pieces. Yeah. So we still don't know for sure. We have a feeling of what he's up to because of Maureen. Maureen is like saying, no, he's the lieutenant, he's doing this, he's the forsaken, his name is Shamael, he's very powerful, and he's releasing other forsaken. So she's already gave us in three episodes the the breakdown of who he is. We already saw that he has like this alliance with suraf. So the only missing point is his relations with uh, the forsaken, because we already saw him with the dark friends too. So this is all in three episodes, so I expect that we are going to see him going forward, going back, to see what he has been doing since uh Rand released him, like all okay. the all, now all the all the pieces on the on the chess table that he's been moving from this five months, six months. Okay. So in this sense, we can see him getting left here.
0: Okay. That might work. I'll I'll, I'll make that judge when I see it. I just I, I feel like oh. that that scene should have been placed earlier. That's just me. Or
1: maybe, or maybe she's just like. Um, or maybe
0: it's been cut. I don't know. I don't know why they would use it as promotional material, but maybe it has been cut. They did that,
1: that, like
0: with the river. They did scene, that. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: That. Yeah, and the two rivers with the whole ceremony for Egwene, they ended up taking it out.
1: Yeah, which was, like, one of the big shots of the the promo. And people yeah. were like, why? Why did they take it out? The like, only reason uh, why
0: I think that they haven't done that is because they released it as an individual scene also.
1: Uh-huh.
0: On their blood, call
1: yet. for blood. No? Yeah.
0: Yes. With whole, and, and, and he's even saying, you know, he, he's calling her daughter of the night, and that is, of course, Lanfear.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: When he's speaking in the old tongue there, I believe. So... uh or at least that's what experts are telling me because I have no idea. I can't read the old tone. Can you read I would the old tone? I
1: would I would be very surprised if they don't if they don't start one, at least one episode from his point of view of what he's doing.
0: Maybe releasing many more Forsaken too. Maybe not just her, but she would be the first scene and there might be a couple others. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just guessing. Anyway, anything else about these two episodes?
1: Well, the the also.
0: Well, yeah, there's a lot. We of are seeing of...
1: more of them. We are seeing more. Do you think, or we are seeing the, the exact amount you expected?
0: I didn't have any. I wasn't disappointed by any of it. I, I okay. think it, I think they look great. Um, they are
1: brutal. Yeah.
0: You know, and just just to see the way that the the Sudan treat the Domani, or not even really treat them, but just the fact that uh, they're you know they do the motion, and then the Doman Domani do the motion. Uh, you know, the sense of con- absolute control is there, uh, which is to me visually very menacing. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if, every time they are a, on that was a screen, heck of a
0: magic trick, uh, blowing a hurricane through the the village like that.
1: And they are taking the the women that can channel, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but like
1: they 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 found three among them
0: in one village, pretty well. Didn't Leandrin in one in, at one point? Or maybe it was Leandrin, or maybe no, it, maybe it was Alana when she was talking to Shira. Alana yeah it's saying that you know we're seeing more and more people with the ability come up than we had
1: No, i think the relation I mean, she was, was talking about men we, but no i think the relation was we we have less people arriving but we are seeing people with more right. power
0: right Okay, well, and
1: she made a connection. Okay, we we have been before that we have been getting less and less each year, and now we are going to now we are getting more and with more power than ever before. Yeah. So that's why she said that's why I think the the last battle is coming because of this. Like it cannot be an accident that this is right. happening.
0: Which is why it doesn't seem unreasonable to find three people in the same area. With the capability of the one power look you found five to in the two rivers yeah but the two rivers
1: uh, like is a, a reg uh, like a place that is like very rich apparently
0: hmm. right yeah well i guess it's got a it's got definitely got a history mm-hmm. but why can't which
1: uh... I, I i always i always say in portuguese three rivers because there is like a city. In, in the my home state that
0: is called reverse, Let's go ahead and talk about the third episode in this part. Yeah. Uno is one of my favorite characters in the in the books. And oh, shit, there sorry. are so many fantastic stories of him traveling with Nynaeve and Elaine, primarily.
1: Not anymore. That's gone. That's gone.
0: That's a big butterfly effect. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if that means that they're actually cutting some of those storylines out completely for the series. I think so. That sucks to me. Boy, what a way to go. So. That's awful. Talk about sexual.
1: Yeah, but talk talk about stakes, because I thought Literally. Uno was like no. Nah, I thought like, exactly. I thought Uno was like good, good to go. Yeah. I thought maybe a couple of others there would take the bat, but now
0: he's gone. He gone. It was a good
1: death. It was a good death.
0: It was an excellent death. Um, yeah. But I just hated that it was a death at all because I love Uno, and he only got to say feck once.
1: It's the way. If if he had to go, that was the the way to go.
0: He. He I was heard.
1: killed. He was killed in front of his companions, and oh gosh, uh, he was made an example. Me. I thought you
0: said it was cute, and I was just about. No,
1: to... <laughs> it was cute.
0: That's my ears. Yeah, he that's he was my too... ears. <laughs> my bad.
1: No, um, yeah, but I mean, I'm still impressed about naive accepted test.
0: That that was it, it was heartbreaking. To me, that was way better than the, the chapter. I mean, I love the, the whole thing. We first... were
1: talking about that chapter, and I was like, I didn't understand when I read because they were like, Oh, by the way, you can stay there. Uh, take care, okay? No, come back, you can die there. Uh don't no, no. I was like, What? They were downplaying in in the in the chapter. In this one, no, they were like very fearful and you really felt the gravity of what okay. she was about to do
0: well, she does fight a forsaken in the first one and then you had this the second one is kind of the same as as the one in the tv show with the with the uh with the other wisdom that happens the, in, the sec- the in the second,
1: second the second the second i laughed very hard because it's like obviously she was like a, that portal could not open uh, as fast I, she was like basically just jumping, like I have to get out, of, get here. out
0: of here. Gotta
1: get out Terrible. Sorry, and like thank you, I need for saving my son. And <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah, that was horrible. Uh,
1: <laughs> but That's the third one, one, one with Matt
0: coming back and Perrin being. Oh, married. that was great. It was
1: hilarious. Yeah, look, one thing that I'm missing. Is like the sense of humor of the books. It's completely I thought, gone.
0: I thought Matt and Min did pretty good with it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, think. yeah. But I, I but love like did, him.
0: they've reinvented Matt and they've made it more like the way I see him in the books, and I I I'm all there for. Him. I
1: I really liked like there were like I think overall like the the first season they had more humor. Yeah, which I really liked uh Especially between Matt and and Rand when they were still good in the first in the the couple of episodes they were separated from the girls and like <laughs> wait a
0: minute you didn't find and it then... <laughs> funny when Egwene was uh came in on Alana's threesome
1: I thought it was very awkward the way they did it, it was like oh I, I I thought they could have milked a little
0: bit. Mm. I'm you know things that i thought were funny in my notes
1: no oh, honestly you, i thought uh, they could have you know built.
0: What? I, when Lan says i think that's the first time someone in my life told me to be quiet when he says that to thomas i laughed yeah. so hard and i kept thinking you know Lan, maybe if you did just not demanded hot baths or for baths to be hotter uh moraine might treat you a little better uh, than she's treating you in these episodes let's see where's another l-o-l
1: no, you're yeah, right. There's but not that I, much in there. I did you see me like mean and Matt. It was a very good, uh, I wouldn't say comic relief because it was a levity, they were like, yeah, it was lighter, know,
0: it was definitely, lighter. it was
1: lighter, but but humor, humor. Uh, I think the Alana bit that you said, I think it fell a bit flat for me okay. if, because okay. of the actresses.
0: I just, they, 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 I just they thought he went. I just thought that Madeleine playing Egwene, the shock and the horror and everything, because I think of Egwene as just being that uptight all the time when I read the books. Yeah. So uh, that just tickled me maybe just because of her reaction to it more so than what was actually going on.
1: No, but I think Alana, I, I don't know. I don't know what honestly what she could have done differently but i I think if they would have placed her in a in a position where she was not that relaxed Mm. where she could where she could explain to Egwene in a straight face then it would have been funnier like if she's behind the desk oh no you just you just do this and this and then it's all good but no, she was already like very like sexually uh, eating and like oh yeah, so it was clear for me that she was talking about sex.
0: You know, right, right, yeah. Because the one, joke that is, one didn't hit me at all. I just
1: exactly did. that's what yeah. I'm saying. But that that's perhaps uh uh the it sh- the scene should have been directed in another way.
0: One thing that has to happen is we've seen in the trailer that Avienda saves Perrin from white cloaks and i think that that happens before falma before falma obviously because they okay. seem to be there together so um with masima so i i think this is an out of the frying pan into the fire deal where perrin is running from the shanshan Shan and running straight into the white cloaks who surely have gotten word from child valda about
1: uh i think you got it i think you got it yeah, I think that's exactly what is going to happen.
0: Because Child Valda will never forget Perrin. And
1: Child Valda, and we are not, never going to forget Child Valda. He was hilarious.
0: Child Valda.
1: Wasn't he? He was hilarious. I see. Well, he was I'm hilarious, but I don't
0: think he was supposed to be.
1: I think he was supposed to be hilarious. Okay. I think so, yeah.
0: Top, huh? I thought that people were supposed to fear him and it ended up being just backfiring because it was too over the top.
1: It was so funny like the the torture that he was torturing uh There's Perry.
0: nothing funny about cutting
1: no, a woman's hands no. off
0: and burning her alive. There's nothing Le- funny about that.
1: Lisa, he was torturing Perry and he was making fun of Wayne and the balls that she managed to the little, little, little bit of yeah. One power, yeah. And he was like ha, ha. You're terrible. Oh, blind. He didn't even realize that she was doing like uh, something on the back that like she was just like, hey, see here? And one she of, was just fainting.
0: One <laughs> of the things that I loved was Egwene, when they first tried to do the water weave uh, to clean the water, she won't use her hands. And it reminded me of the fact that she was trying that time in Tarval and she was having to try and use the one power without being able to move her hands. So, yeah. yeah, you know, I loved I love the fact that she's like, you know, let Trauma. me learn how to do it without my hands. That'll just make it when I have my hands free easier. Uh mm-hmm. so I I love that continuity there. That was fantastic.
1: Child founder, oh my God.
0: Yeah, we're do gonna end on that. Going... <laughs> we're gonna end up just say childvolda three times, ladies and gentlemen. Child Valda. Child
1: uh, Valda. Child Valda. <laughs>
0: yes. She's at PriscillaTV1 on YouTube. I'm at Musical Concepts on Twitter. If you have thoughts or feedback, please feel free to send it to it at Bust, boss, bust, at bust Blockbuster wherever you're on social media or at the word double letters B H Q. Same. And you can send emails to Matt's at gmail.com. See ya!
1: To Matt's blog at gmail.com, and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. Part of Double P Media. DoublePMedia.com.